Hello and welcome to episode 118 of Decentralized Revolution. Of course, it's the Mises Caucus podcast. We are uh, doing this live thing again, and we have uh, a great guest this week uh, when we started making the list of like, hey, who do we want to have on once we get some of the kinks worked out? This guy was uh, at the top of the list. Maj, how you doing? I'm great. What's up with y'all? Uh, not much. We, we're we're busy. Uh, Brandy and uh, Mike and I are are doing this thing. Mike, of course, is uh, how how is the sleep thing going, Mike, with the with the new baby? So far, so good, man. Uh, it's going to get worse because Emily hasn't had to go back to work yet. That's when it's going to get tough. You know okay. what I mean? Because like she can sleep in with the baby right now. So, like I try to tell her wake me up, and she doesn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I'll sleep through him crying. Um, well. You're just banking that sleep for when you're going to need it, right? So Yeah. No, here's the thing. Nobody told me that at around four or five weeks that the poops get real. <laughs> like, like it's actual poop now. Like, it's not, it's not squirts. It's like I own a little monkey now. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and yeah. All right. It's cool, though. It's cool. That's good. Um, so <laughs> one thing I know that, uh, you know, we're going to talk about our, our, uh, I don't know what to call them. Are people up in New Hampshire? I don't know if there are people. I don't know. Who knows? But another thing that's been going around this week was the the whole letter. Uh, so somebody sent out a, a letter uh, to a bunch of the Mises Caucus uh, supporters uh, with the shocking revelation that uh, Michael Heiss has earned some money uh, running a political organization that's done a lot of stuff over the last five years. Um, Mike, how do you how do you feel about these shocking uh, allegations? Well, we, we are trying to keep it covered up that that uh, we pay you a measly amount of money for what you've done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think the big thing is that it was it was posed in such a way as to like suggest that I take like a huge amount of like a huge percentage of the money that comes in and. Uh, like I've made like a hundred thousand dollars in a year. I think I've made like I, I saw Jason Rink posted it. I haven't even counted up what I made, but he he's he put it together and said that I've made one hundred and twenty thousand dollars over the course of three years. And this is my full time job uh, as as of uh, June or July twenty twenty one. And the funny thing is, is like our donors, maybe not the like the newest ones, but we did donor town halls. I did like three or four of them back in 2021, uh, expressly letting people know that we were talking about giving me a $60,000 a year salary to go full time and to like get a war general grow like a full time going into Reno and all of that stuff. So, you know, everybody had good feedback. We put it to the board, the board voted for it. And yeah, man, I was able to be a full time libertarian for, for two <laughs> years. Uh, and, uh, you know, we got the Reno reset. We got the messaging of the Libertarian Party on track. We've got uh, our political strategy focusing on, you know, localization and, and nullification and all the things that we said we were going to do. We did. We did a tour. Uh, we're recruiting candidates. We're training candidates. We did all of that. So uh, I have now strapped in for the the long haul and, you know, scaled the, the salary back to part time and took another job. So the salary has been slashed anyway. But, yeah, to, to think that the bulk of our supporters didn't know that. Is, yeah. is pretty funny and there's been a number of tweets or messages where somebody was like i am doubling what i make because of the or what i donate right. to the mises caucus because of you know them trying to paint this a certain way so right and that's the thing is someone who's on board myself i mean we're all we're pretty 
you know, we, uh, yeah, well, we, uh, I mean, we're pretty stingy when we have to be, I actually get like a small stipend for doing the emails and the podcasts and stuff like that. And, you know, it's all out there. I mean, it's, you know, of, of who makes what and, but you know, it, it's funny that there's always been, I've been involved with the LP since 2010 and there's always this, like, if anybody like doesn't like, you know, volunteer a hundred hours a week and, and go into their pocket for everything, then somehow they're on a, a grift or something like that. Like, how do you handle that, Maj? Do people come at you saying, saying things like, hey, this is not really what it is? Like, how do you deal with that energy when it comes up? I don't deal with it anymore. I think that um, the general public um, sees what good people are doing with resources that are coming in. I personally think Mike should have been making a quarter of a million dollars a year. That's what <laughs> I, um, I think that Mike has been one of the most principled people that I've met in all of my walks of life. And I think he's fought insurmountable odds that everybody pretty much counted out. So that in and of itself, I think he should. I mean, man, I've, I've, I've had months where without being too specific, I've had months where I've had really good t-shirt sale months. And um, to suggest that Mike is uh doing something like that is is actually not it's not only is it, is it rude for the reason of um and i say doing something like that i mean in the sense of it's rude that you guys are even saying that what he was paid is too much yeah. that's rude um so i don't even listen to those people it's usually the people that have never ran a business never created a movement yeah. never never really like scaled something to scale um, a bunch of people, a ragtag Motley Crue bunch of individuals to get on a collective page. Um, I think that's something that is genuinely difficult. And then to say, we're going to put the work in for five years or so, and then take over the third largest political party in the country. I think when you, when I think people are not doing it, they're doing themselves a disservice by not looking at what overall the, the great groups of people and individuals and collectives across the country that had to work to make that happen. Yeah. So when people say stuff like that to me, I usually consider the source if I, if, cause I listen to it. Um, but I don't engage it anymore. Mm -hmm. I think that what you should do is you should consider the source, you know? Um, and if this person is kind of like, um, just somebody nameless source, nameless yeah, that, source, no return address, <laughs> yeah. no return address, no name, no organization. So yeah. that tells you the quality of what, what we're dealing right. with here. So it's like, it's like more of a, um, if I can't even consider the source, I tweeted something a few days ago where I said, I respect Twitter pages more. It's not that I disrespect those other pages, but I respect the pages more that showcase and speak. I'm the person and here's my face. I mean, it just shows a different level of principle. It shows a different level of I stand on what I said. Um, and don't get me wrong. Some people have privacy issues. They don't want people, extreme people to get them fired from their job. So I'm not saying that I, I, I there's no merit to it. But when someone has absolutely no source and I'm fat, which means I can't even really figure out what they actually do and what they've actually built. Um, it's very, very difficult for me, you know. When I'm around really, really solid bodybuilders, because I'm really getting more into that and boxers and fighting, um, when they see people that are in the gym for like the first time, they don't make fun of them. LeBron James or Kevin Durant isn't making fun of somebody that is on their journey as a basketball player. 
Yeah. You know? And so Messi isn't going to laugh at a 15 year old that isn't the greatest yet at his position on the soccer field. Mm-hmm. It's all the professionals know that this is a part of the ugly part of this journey of building something. The people that are usually in the bleachers, usually in the nosebleed sections, are the people that have all of the critiques for the actual profession. And so when I hear that type of stuff, um, now I'm kind of numb to it. And I sometimes wish I still had those feelings because those feelings are dead for me anymore. Like if I've I've been called everything, you know what I'm saying? And it, it doesn't, I can't even get the feeling of being angry anymore because it's nothing at this point. I just got to say, though, from from the bleachers, fuck James Harden. (laughs) (laughs) He's not going to be a yeah, you're you're we don't even uh, have to get into the Sixers, man. I got my Sixers groups. (laughs) They they laid down in that one game, man. I don't know what happened there. I felt sorry for you guys. Uh, I was talking to my wife. I was like, oh, man, Maj and Mike and Jeff are crying. I think so. I think that the general the general public. We got to remember in our messaging, we got to remember the people that um, really are not in in this to really win. And we have to think that we we have to remember that they're like the uh, Heath Heath, Heath Ledger's character when he played the Joker. Um, And he's like he just wanted to see the world burn. There's a story where um, uh, Bruce Batman's uh, butler was telling him like, yo, some some people just want to see the world burn, and a yeah. lot of these people that are doing stuff like that, they just they just kind of want to see the world burn. And if you can pull a lesson from them, then that's the thing that you should pull from them. But if it's not if it's not a lesson, I don't even think about it any further. Yeah. And before we get into uh, answering the question about Mike's cat, is the the lesson you know you talk about wanting to watch the world burn? I think a lot of the people who have come at the Mises Caucus. And again, because I was involved with the LP for a few years before the Mises Caucus came along. And what I found out, and I actually had kind of dropped out and like, hey, I'm done with this because I found that for a lot of people, this was just like their hobby, right? They kind of got off on going to meetings and doing bylaws and occasionally putting out a press release and putting their name on the ballot for city council. And it was like, you know, I call it LARPing at politics, like the live action role play. I'm a congressman, you know? And so a lot of those people, they had this club, they had this, you know, they had their own little thing, big fish in a very small pond. Somebody came along to change how things worked. Their little role playing club is gone and we're trying to get to that next level. And there's lots of bumps and, you know, we're not as far as we wanted to be, but we're a lot farther than we were. And so some of those people are still bitter because they don't have their their club anymore. So that's that's how I look at it. Yeah, so. it's good that they're bitter. They should get bitter and they should leave. Yep. You should you should either um, or get better. Uh, if get you good, if, yeah. If you get good and and, and out and best us with work, yep. then we have to work harder. You have, you ever see those uh those um but like in the Christmas time Budweiser those horses where they they use use those commercials. One of those horses can can like pull like two metric tons, like one of those horses. And quite naturally, you know, if you put two of them together and you ask somebody, yo, how many of these two horses? Um, I think they call Clydesdales, if I'm not mistaken. But um, you would quite naturally you would say, oh, there's two of them. They could probably pour full four tons. They usually when it's two of them, they pour between like pull between like six to eight tons. 
because yeah. the, the the horse next to each other, when they're next to each other, they work harder because they compete with each other stronger when there's a person next to them. The, yep. the people that don't like what is happening right now, I want you to get yoked up next to us and work outwork us. Yep. And if not, you should disappear and be quiet. And it doesn't really matter because I, I can't even see you. I can only see you when I can use you for your energy to motivate myself and our, and our team. Yep. Other than that, I have, I have, you, you don't really exist. So if you want to actually beat us, you should work harder. I am I am going to make sure that I'm working very, very hard to embarrass you completely based off of ignoring you and doing work. I am going to work very, very hard to make sure that we're getting um, the libertarian movement in this urban demographic. And if you want to get on, you know, get again, get yoked next to me and we can pour, you know, pull six or seven or eight metric tons because we're going to need a lot of work, then cool. But if not, I need you. I need you. I need you, my little ponies, to just go over <laughs> to the side, and um, and and go play, cause I'm busy. Well, we gotta we gotta answer the big questions, and then and then get to get to some topics. Yeah. Um, I think the pressing question right now is this: this is gadget. Uh, <laughs> this this co-host here is gadget. So I guess we'll end that that piece by saying, if you appreciate the work of the caucus. Yes, I was full-time for two years. I'm part-time now, but we're still training candidates. We're still going for nullification. We're still going for decentralization. We're still uh, guiding the Libertarian Party because I'll, I'll, I'll make this one point because I have seen it where some people are like, well, why do we need the caucus if, they, if you already took over the party? And uh, it's a fundamentally Hoppian point, it, 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 which is that we already saw what happened to the Libertarian Party over the course of about 20 years when the democracy inside of the party was left to its own devices, just the same way that that democracy in, in the country kind of appeals to the lowest common denominator of the vo average voter. Yeah. Uh, democracy within the Libertarian Party led to a lowest common denominator LP and it lost its way. So we organize so that we can keep the party in line with a strategic vision in the long term and with with uh, bold messaging in the long term and principal messaging in the long term. That's yeah. that's the long and short of it. So LP uh, or yeah, lpmesescaucus.com slash donate gadget would really appreciate it. You can also take humanaction.com. You can sign up for the newsletter there and do all that. And uh, and also we do other things and, you know, we won't go into it right now, but the project decentralized revolution stuff is uh, a lot of it is along with the LP, but some of it's very different. So and uh, but speaking of the LP and speaking of uh uh, working together with others in the party, Mike, I, I, you guys were, there's a, I'll let you, uh, bring up the topic that we kind of well, wanted to, what to I wanted to, to start talk with. about a couple different things. Well, yeah. And, and I, what I wanted to start with, this is why we wanted you to come first, Maj, because you know, we've worked a lot together. I know, I know you, I know where you're at with things, but then you go to Twitter and, and some people would have you believe in Oh, Maj believes in reparations. He believes in a white tax, uh, all of this kind of thing. And I wanted to, to give you an opportunity. And I think Brandy's going to have some questions as well, um, you know, on your position on this, because, again, I know you in a way that Twitter doesn't. And I know that you're being straw man. So, yeah. like, I wanted you to come on and, and, and uh, give your perspective on, on reparations and your position on reparations. So. I think everybody fundamentally can agree that America, as great of a nation as it is, 
has a fundamental stain on its flag, and that's obviously slavery. Now, I have to lead in with, yes, I do think that classic liberals um, were in a what they felt was a precarious position. I also think that the people that led the um, thought, those French revolutionaries and that type of liberty energy that went into the guys that made some of the founding documents, those people, some of those guys were like, no, this is a contradiction. We can't do it. Thomas Paine comes to mind. Um, so I want to be clear that even though it was a societal norm all throughout world history, you can't say, or you can, but it's a contradiction if you say, um, we the people, liberty for all, except this group of people. Now, the economic component that goes into it and all of that, th those arguments are there, but I have to highlight the contradiction as well as the the, the framework. So, um, and and also saying th this this misnomer or straight up myth that Every single white person in America during that time owned humans. That is false. That is false. And so I want to be clear and give context in that way. Now, when we're talking about it from a um, labor perspective, when we're talking about it from a property perspective, when we're talking about it from a contractual perspective, these are all things that are in alignment with libertarians. You'll get no argument from a libertarian saying, hey, what was the contract? Hey, whose labor was used, whose labor was stolen, um, and who was identified as the property, and what did that property or that labor, what did it build? You would also be hard-pressed to hear people say, no, the, sla the so-called slaves, I'll say captives because slave, com slave comes from a Slavic, but the captives that built these plantations, what were they? Were they the actual plantation owners all of the time? Absolutely not. So you have stolen labor. You have people used as property. You have years going by. You have after emancipation, you have groups of people that were um, emancipated, for lack of a better term, because that means transfer of ownership. And they were told they were going to be made whole by the United States government. That's where the whole 40 acres thing come from, comes from. Andrew Jackson gets in and says, psych, this is not what we're doing. So your labor, forget it. Your con the contract that we had with you for after fighting for, you know, for us and helping us win, forget that contract. And we're just basically reneging on what we said. On top of that, a lot of those um, plantations and land that was supposed to be earmarked for the descendants or those people that were captives and the descendants of those captives were given to the actual slave owners. This is not me making this up. This is not me. There's tons of information out here about this. So when you have this conversation about making something whole, if we as libertarians agree with, in property rights and labor being stolen is not okay, and if we also say that um, we had a contract, America, the state, had a contract with a group of people and they reneged on it, we have to say that eh, that's kind of like a, a, a great conversation as it relates to how libertarianism would get behind reparations. However, the way that it's packaged is like, a white people tax. Like y'all are white. So y'all owe me $20 every week out of your check. And that's just false. That's just false. Now it also does not mean that it's a um, easy endeavor to partake upon. I think, you know, the argument that uh, Walter Block had a conversation about this, I forget the guy, Mike sent me the link again very recently. Um, it was a YouTube video where they're having this discussion about reparations. And the labor perspective is where Walter Block was coming from with it. Um, but I agree that this conversation that 
every single white person owes every single black person and it's just that cut and dry, that's silly. And I think it will be very, very difficult for individuals or collectives of groups to hold the state as well as prove um, these corporate charters, not just white people, corporate charters like Norfolk Southern, like Wells Fargo, like a bunch of insurance companies. I think it's a big endeavor, but I think it can be done. An example of that was um, maybe a year, less than a year ago, there was a, um, a family that had um, some, some beachfront property right out in California. I think it might've been in like the Los Angeles area generally. But anyway, they proved that their home, their family's home, they were the descendants of a person and it was stolen. Los Angeles County had to give it back. That is a form of reparations. This is my property. The labor that my family worked on to get this property, it was stolen. When that property was stolen, you have to give it back. It's not. This is not an anti-libertarian perspective. This is not a Maj is advocating that everybody, everybody that's white owes black people this thing, this this whatever this number is. And it also is not me saying that um, I have the exact 100% answer because if I was getting reparations and I tied things in as an individual and fought that all the way back up and proved here's how my lineage was um, harmed, here's how the labor was stolen, here's how the property was damaged, so forth and so on. I might not want it in fiat currency. I might want it in Bitcoin. I might want it in land, like the United States government said that they were going to give. So I'm not. All, I'm also not saying I have the end all, be all. Nor am I the subject matter expert. But what I am going to say is, if you don't even inform yourself about it as it relates to African American people asking or, or starting a conversation about reparations, if you don't know what reparations actually means, if you don't educate yourself on um, you know, things like the reparations assessment group that Johnny Cochran was doing before he was di before he uh, died. Um, this was an assessment group that was going to look at all of the corporate charters. I named a few just here shortly ago. All of those corporate charters that existed then that benefited that still are in existence to this day and the profits that came from them that will be coming from corporate charters, not individuals. Yeah. So I think the people that are not even being open minded enough to a look at some of the most, um, you know, storied libertarians that have positions on this, Rothbard too as well. If they're not even looking at that it, from that perspective, they're letting the media tell them a narrative of what reparations actually means. And they're not even open to listening. They're doing themselves a disservice. And I also believe, because you, you'll have people say, well, African nations, you know, um, here it is right here. Literally, literally. Should white European slaves, Irish, Scots, French, who worked in the mills in Lawrence, Lowell, Nashua, and all up and down the Merrimack should get reparations as well. If you are willing to do the due diligence to prove that your labor and or your property was stolen, then you should have at it. Go do it. The thing that's always funny to me is when there's a collective of black people, again, these are all libertarian concepts, labor, property rights, labor uh, uh, usage or, or theft, as well as contracts. Now, as soon as black people start having this conversation, now everybody forgets all of their libertarian perspectives. And that's stupid. That's stupid. That's just wrong. So when that question says, well, should the European, should the XYZ, if you want to go do the work, go do it's, This is not an easy task, which is why I say I do think that there's a stain on the American flag. That does not mean that we I hate America. I'll, I'll re-up on America every year. But what I am saying is when people throw these straw mans out there like, well, what about the white people? 
white people in America, there has been already several groups of people in American history that get reparations from the United States government. Stop. Do more research before you talk. The Japanese people in the internment camps family received reparations. Stop. We're, we're, we're saying these things uh, as if we don't understand the concept of Game of Thrones. Oh, Khaleesi's the rightful ruler. Oh, no, it's Jon Snow. He's the rightful ruler, right? Jon Snow and Khaleesi wasn't alive when, they got, when their lineage got wrong. So you understand these concepts, but you're not being open-minded, and you're letting media tell you what these concepts well, are. Let's, let's, let's dig into it a little bit. I mean, Brandy, I, I know you had some questions. I, I have a perspective, but I'll let you, I'll let you go. Yeah. Well, the one thing that makes me feel uneasy about it is it's basically like punishing the sins of a great, great, great grandson of their great, great, great father, you know, like, so and my and that like this question right here. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh, wait, nope, nope, wrong question. Um, but it wasn't your labor. It was someone else's labor who died before you were born. Okay, you know? so lab so labor and property. So if let's use the example that you just gave. Your great-great-grandfather um, has a, an amazing watch, and he got it from his father and his father before him. And I show up. My great-great-grandfather shows up. And he, your great-grandfather works really, really hard. He gets this amazing Rolex. He wants to pass it down. And my great-great-grandfather steals it, right? Mm -hmm. Years later, it gets down to us, and I can prove, you can prove, that my great great grandfather and his labor, it's not even it's not even a conversation that you can prove that my great grandfather stole your great grandfather's watch. It's it's insignia, the paperwork comes up, whichever way you want to do it. Your great grandfather, my great grandfather stole from you. Mm -hmm. Should I keep the watch? Well, but the let, labor is also hard to quantify. Like let me let, can I give a <laughs> caveat here? Because I think there's a key component. I think there's a key component that's not being highlighted enough. Mm -hmm. it, it's that one, this is not like with, because the example that Maj gave is, is Walter Block's example. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, and the idea is essentially that you don't have a right to receive stolen goods. However, a tort can only be applied to individuals. So this mm -hmm. isn't some kind of broad, you know, oh, we like there's a white tax and a and the 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 person who is alleging a tort has to have Absolutely. the evidence. Right. Like has to have the evidence of, of the tort, like for it to, to, to hold water in a court. So I think we're like, at least with the block Rothbard uh, way of looking at it, is that you're looking at an extremely narrow uh, uh, number of people who a they can prove lineage B, they can prove that uh, that there was essentially property that should have gone to them or, or things that they built that would have been there that they, that they would have owned if they were not slaves that then was taken from them. And uh, if you can prove that down and then prove that it is owned by this part, like this family who received those stolen goods or received by this corporation who received stolen goods, then, then you can actually make a case of a tort. Now we're also talking about something 200 years ago, you know, over 200 years ago. So logistically, just because, yeah. just because we're talking about something that's difficult does not mean that if we're not saying that there's a statute of limitations, just because we're saying 
um, it can be difficult. Doesn't mean that it's something that people don't have a right to examine or look into if they choose to. Again, right. like 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 the like the family in Los Angeles yeah. County that said we can prove we can literally prove that this property was stolen. You have to give it back. That's literally what happened. You did something. We were not made whole. You have to make us whole. Then was, that's it, was it someone's like ancestor that stole the property and then they had to give it back and that person was dead? Is that what happened? Yes. Now, oh. here, here's the other argument, because it wasn't like great grandmom is still alive and we transfer it to great grandma. It was I'm the descendant of this person. Here's where you stole it. And again, we're not talking about it not being a, like this isn't like a, a easy conversation or an easy task to undertake. I'm not arguing the oh, it would be difficult to figure that out. If you want to chase that, then cool, if you want to. What I'm talking about is this argument, of this, to Mike's phrasing, the straw man argument that it's absolutely ridiculous completely. And this is before we go into the conversation about, okay, the United States government said, okay, we're going to solve this thing. You, go, you, you know, we, we sanctioned unjustified things. Sometimes government, who knew, sometimes government gets things wrong. They said they, we got this wrong. We will give these folks 40 acres, these folks. This was supposed to be handled however long ago. The Andrew Jackson gets in and reneges and says, psych. So, so you is agree? that what you were talking about when it comes to reparations? Is like the people that were supposed to get that? I'm talking about all it? of those things. I'm talking, it's not, it's not just, this is the other thing that happens a lot around complex subjects. People pick one part or one thing and say, well, this is it. And no, it won't work this way. And instead of looking at it as a complex, because again, I just gave several different examples. The example of um, wh whether we're talking about labor, whether we're talking about a contract, whether we're talking about property. Those are just different avenues of what the broader conversation of what, around reparations would look like. My, my argument here is, because me, let, let me be perfectly honest, me individually, it's not a, it's not a, a undertaking that I, I want to individually do myself. It, it, it does seem like a lot of work. It does seem like I can rumble and get a bunch of other resources and just go buy the 40 acres. Me personally. Right. That's me. But what I'm saying is um, the, the level of dismissal as if there's not an argument to be had because it's not libertarian. One, it's wrong. It's wrong. That level of dismissal, because it's not libertarian enough, it's just wrong. As as well as number two, um, the the level of like hate or almost like a negative energy around this concept, as opposed to having a genuine. We 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 are supposed to pride ourselves on being principled and have the ability to have civil dialogue. But I've yet to get so much vitriol towards me, a person that has clearly actively doing stuff for the liberty movement right in the demographic where we need it the most i've never seen as much vitriol in my life from this demographic or certain sections of people in the libertarian movement other than when i talk about the conversation around reparations again uh, a a conversation that has roots in libertarian concepts so to me so, it's like uh, let me ask you one question maj like, uh, this is a simple one aaron this one's simple okay. quick i just want to address a couple comments Mm -hmm. So just to be absolutely crystal clear, you are we are not talking about well, I should say you are not talking about taxes in any way, shape or form within this framework. Right. No, like, no, yep. 
like that that would that would be me now now will i call a contradiction when the united states government says we can't have the conversation about reparations and and fiat currency they don't say fiat but you get what i mean we can't have a conversation about reparations because it would be too difficult to have and we don't got the money right when when the administration says that then they go fire off the same money machines and then send billions upon billions of dollars to ukraine to black america that's like well wait we can't have this conversation at all but because you ain't got it but then you go give it to a whole nother thing that does not help race relations the problem is people come into the conversation uh, uh with me around reparations on one topic where i'm highlighting maybe a contradiction and they think that's the sum total of the conversation anybody that would advocate for more taxes just to pay off a debt is wrong that's why a big chunk of that is me saying corporate charters yeah. corporate charters that have that exist beyond the the single life of one person right wells fargo is really old right um and it's not a white people tax and it's not a tax at all but the problem is people hear that word and i just challenge everybody to look into things before you just rush to go oh leftists said it so it's just automatically bad right um people hear that word and they respond to it the way that leftists respond to the word trump and it's like yeah. have you actually just sat down and actually this is probably like one of the first times where i've been even allowed and i say allowed because people cut you off at the end of conversation well i've actually been allowed to actually uh in a longer format kind of explain different concepts and kind of like where it's coming from as opposed to people just going you said reparations that means you're saying print up right. money printer go burr and just hand out the bread and i've even said myself like bro what if 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 tomorrow they was like yep i proved here's my family they were from albany georgia i can trace that lineage and then the government goes or the courts say damn you're right how do you want your reparations i'd be at a, almost the impasse because i have to say damn do i want land do i want zero tax is for me and my lineage damn do i want um do i want it in bitcoin do i want it in whatever so i'm not purporting to have all of these answers i'm saying there's a a robust conversation to be had here that is a much better way to dialogue as opposed to being dismissive to being rude and not even taking the time to scroll back a bit to see some of the most powerful libertarian minds that had yeah. conversations around this well, I wanted to jump. Uh, sorry, I wanted to jump in on a couple of things because one is I, I think that a lot of the comments I'm seeing, not just the ones we put on the screen, they seem to be focusing on the impracticability of it, which I think mm -hmm. is a thing. So mm -hmm. I think that, like for example, Israel Palestine, there are people in Palestine right now who have the keys to the house that the that the Israelis push their grandparents out of, and they can see their house. Yeah. Right. That that's a pretty simple one. But, you know, 150 years ago, that's that's a little more difficult. But I think you're right, Maj, is that as someone who's been, you know, I'm kind of old and I remember even back like when Clinton came in, somebody, I think Randall Robinson was the guy's name or whatever. Like there was this big movement then. It was like, oh, we got a Democrat and let's do reparations. And again, coming from the left and it was like a, you know, it was basically like, hey, let's put these yeah, we're not going to go and trace all these things. We're just going to like give certain subsidies to certain people or groups based on whatever. And that's going to come out of the treasury. And so I think you have a long history of people from the left making this argument. 
and libertarians, libertarian adjacent people are going to look at see where the reparations argument has come from in the past. Yeah. And you're, you're exactly right. My, they're, they're, they're knee jerk reacting to that instead of having a conversation that we're having tonight. And I think like, I think I'm sympathetic be... to this. I'm sympathetic to this, but go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> what, no, maybe, l- a different maybe a different well, word. Yeah. Okay. The yeah. different, the different word, but I know, yeah. hang so, on. I know Brandy had a question. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I mean, I honestly, sorry no it's it's okay um i i think i and i think that the issue i agree with you when you say that it's like people immediately hear the word reparations and are like oh my god you know and i i'm not in that position i'm actually in more of a curiosity trying to really understand how this would work and what it would look like and like if if this framework like it's really hard for my brain to be like okay it would be civil suits even though it's hard for my brain to be like, oh, but I don't see the probability. Like how, like that, how are they going to prove it? You know? And also like, it also kind of sets a bad precedent to a degree because, okay, someone could, this could transfer over to like, say someone's great grandfather was a serial killer and they killed a bunch of people and nobody found out till he died. And then they find out way later and he has kids and what if they want like i don't know um, reparations of some type like i know it's not actual like a, well there's posthumous convictions there's there's right. posthuman yeah there's there's posthumous convictions what it would look like so what it would look like at least within this fr- framework is civil suits now liberty dad who has who was a great libertarian in florida has a podcast liberty dad podcast subscribe um, I am sympathetic to that argument, like just the same way that like the word liberal is gone. And, and that used to be us like in our tradition. Uh, and that was taken uh, after after uh, like the great society and everything. Um, I am sympathetic that that reparations is probably a gone word. However, I, go ahead. I, I just think that I think that whatever term you call it, the I'm always a stickler for explaining things fully. Right. So when I say classic liberal to someone, I know that that word has been co-opted. So I give a fuller explanation. And th- those are those are like teachable moments. Um, if somebody wants to I saw somebody say call it arbitration, uh, civil suits, whichever way the duty is on you. If you want to do it as an individual. Right. The duty is on you. If you want to get a collective group of people and prove it, then so be it. But I think that the, the bigger the bigger thing is when, when I'm talking, my job primarily is outreach in urban um, communities. Yeah. That's my primary job. When I see libertarians not even being willing to listen because they're responding, like Aaron said, in a knee jerk fashion because they have not educated themselves. I want them to stop and think when someone says classic liberal or when you're trying to educate someone on libertarianism, when the mainstream narrative has says, oh, you guys are like MAGA, you guys are just like Republican light. Mm-hmm. There is an educational moment there. You don't just have a knee jerk reaction and just go, what? And start yelling and shutting down. It is silly. It is silly. And in this last 10 minutes, I've explained several ways. And I'm not saying y'all personally, because not you guys, right? I'm saying there's there's a conversation to be had around it. If you are having this thing where I'm so smart that I can't be wise and I'm not open to listening to anything else. And I'm telling you, if you approach this right and even just saying, 
hey, we're having a conversation and what does that look like? And we can show that the United States government, the overreaching government, the state is the culprit, as opposed to every single white person. You have more, you, you've done more for developing inroads into a democratic community, not saying that you're pandering, but you're saying this is a conversation that could be fruitful for race relations yep. in America. This is a conversation that could be fruitful for showcasing at least, at the very least, how bad the state is. Yep. This is a conversation that could be had for inroads into, hey, black community, did you know that the United States government, the same one that's dangling reparations in front of your face every four years as a, as a conversation piece, this is the same state that took it away from you or your elders and ancestors years ago after they agreed to it. These are ways to open up conversations as inroads, as opposed to what we're seeing now is this knee-jerk reaction because you don't understand it. You think libertarian, similar to lefties think libertarian means MAGA. You have not educated yourself. You have a very prominent black libertarian saying, hey guys, here's a better approach. And we just run into this knee-jerk reaction I don't need you to convince me. Yeah. I'm telling you guys, the people that are looking that I'm doing outreach to are going to now go, oh, yeah, they're not even open to have a conversation with Maj. And Maj is one of their own. And hmm. and this is a well, this I, is a, I, go I, ahead. I, I, I want to ask a question about what Maj was talking about there. And before I do that, I want to uh, pick up on what he was saying about the state's role in this. So I always. I live in Tennessee. I live, I live in Tennessee. So I see a lot of Confederate flags and sometimes I, I love it when people criticize a Confederate flag, which is what it is. And I'm not, I, I don't like any flags. I'm an anarchist. So, but like they don't, the American flag, you know, in it's, you know, had fewer stars back then, but for 60 years, that flag protected the the fugitive slave act and all that, which was the national government, enforcing slavery so slavery could not have happened if the local and national governments did not make it uh, obligatory for people to help catch runaway slaves and all this stuff so the state was basically providing a subsidy to the one percent of people in the south who owned slaves well it was in the north too for a while obviously but those very rich people who had that were getting a subsidy from the government in a system that enforced that and kept that system alive. If it wasn't there, if the the North would have seceded like William Lloyd Garrison and Frederick Douglass wanted them to and dropped the Fugitive Slave Act, then the slaves could have escaped to freedom very quickly instead of having to make it all the way to Canada. So there's all that history. And the state had a role in this. But the question I have for Maj is, I want to be able to, to say things like that to black uh, voters uh, who might be looking at the LP. But before I would get into that conversation, what is the average man on the street in the black community? Not the Nina Turner, Al Sharpton, whatever. And then I have questions for a, a few uh, yeah, so what, questions after this. <laughs> yeah, so what would a, an average person that you're talking to who would actually like listen to me maybe like again not the people way out on the on the edge but what is when they hear reparations what do they think and what do they want to hear like is this the man on the street say yes we should all get a check from the government i i probably it's probably not that but i want to know what what people like that what they think about it. i i don't i don't think it's just generally one answer i think the willingness to even say Let's have a conversation about it and what that looks like. Yeah. And, and, and the things that you just said about the Fugitive Slave Act. If you're a libertarian saying, 
the state, the United States government at different points were very, very detrimental to black communities. I don't live in black communities, meaning if I'm the white dude, I don't live in a black community right now, but this is the reality. Our party is in alignment with none of that type of shit. That person's ear is open. But if you in reverse go, well, you know, from a perspective of thinking again, that reparations is a white people tax and it's only socialist, that blah, 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 all of that type of shit. And you lean in with that. All right, bro, you, you, you're not even, you're not even like having the conversation. I, I don't, I don't, I think, cause I, cause all, the average Joe Blow from urban America isn't really even having a conversation about reparations. There are people um, that are in the minority that are loud on social media. Um, you'd have more inroads with that person in, in an urban demographic by saying, we just kind of don't want the government involved in our shit and we don't want people to um, be targeting certain demographics. And sorry, bro, I might not live here, but your, your hood is getting overreached into by the government more than anything else. Here's what our party would do to avoid that or stop that outright. That to me resonates more. I don't have I don't have a difficulty with having an in-depth conversation about reparations with people in the hood because them same questions of well, damn, bro, like how would they know? How much would it be? Like these are legitimate questions that anyone would ask. But when you lean in with this hardcore um anti on a thing as opposed to having a civil discussion about it, you lose that person. Period. Yeah. You lose that person. It's 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 like outreach 101. If if I I would I would say, yo, bro, weed is legal in our in your in our state that we live in. I you live in uh, I live in I'm the white dude. I live in a rural part of a rural part of Pennsylvania. You live in Philly. They're targeting your community more, even though it's legal in our state up to a certain amount. But even then, if you get a certain amount, the feds at any given moment is still scheduled one. That's still the government. So it should be out of there, inroad. That person, it, what Democrat is actually advocating for that as well as educating? No <laughs> GOP members. They 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 come from a gun, drugs. All drugs are bad perspective. So they're not even having the conversation. Mm-hmm. They're not even having the conversation. Brandy. Yeah. I, so. One question. So you're not saying you understand that the concept is like how how it would be able to happen is very complex and very hard to prove. Right. Like it would be very difficult to like prove that you were a slave, an ancestor of a slave who was also owned by this corporation or this or these people that mm-hmm. it turned into this corporation type of situation so like you you understand that part so it's not like there there would not be like because i can articulate the intelligence of a tactic does not mean that that automatically means the every detail automatically would be simple yeah Yeah. that's like me showcasing when when someone asks me how is all gun control racist i have case law i have Supreme Court decisions. I have states that literally changed their state constitution from all able-bodied men should should can have guns to all able-bodied white men should have guns. There has to be a litany of facts and precedent. And I mean, shit, the United States Supreme Court, the Dred Scott decision was racist. 
and anti-gun. And they went part and parcel. One of the judge's uh, remarks was, we kind of can't say he has he's a human because then he'll be able to have a gun. That's a two for one for me when I'm explaining that. But this is a very difficult concept. I am not advocating that because it's difficult that people should not partake in it. That's like me saying, um, you know, remember in Rocky when uh, he was supposed to fight Drago and his wife, Adrian, was like, you, you can't, can't win. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, what? Dude, this is an absolute, he's a mountain and he's taking all of the steroids and I'm kind of soft from being a champ for however long and I'm emotional because he's killed my best friend that's responsible for me learning and being a champion, but I have to do it. Yeah. So this, because I'm saying this is a conversation that we should be have and here's some libertarian perspectives that open us up to a black demographic as opposed to just closing us off to it because we're not willing to have the conversation. Um, I that think is not conversation me. is important. And I yeah, fully agree that, with you. I think we should yeah. be having the conversation. That, that, not, that, I'm, I'm just being almost, I'm just a little critical of like how it would work. And nah, I, dig I in. Some, Go. me yeah. too. And, and also like, so even like the 40 acres and a mule, which was promised by the government, like that's a government promise. So it's like if those people got reparations, they would have to get those reparations from the government. And so the only way that could happen would be via tax money, which would be from people that didn't own no, slaves. I, I not, think what not, what, not what, really. Maj, what Maj was talking yeah. about is there was a sorry Maj, there was a plan to like actually seize the plantation land and like sell it off or, oh. or give it away and stuff like that. And that's you, what the 40 acres and Maj, yeah. yeah. So oh, Maz actually said Andrew Jackson, he met Andrew Johnson. I'm, Andrew Johnson. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. He took over after uh, Lincoln, after John Wilkes Booth uh, did what he did. Um, but uh, uh, he stopped that plan. So they were going to take it directly from, you know, what I like to call the 1% of the South at that time and, and distribute it to the people who were, literally just liberated so now when you're talking about that from that perspective right now we're going into the economics of it let's just say if the united states government would have actually did what they said they were going to do let's just say that now we're not having conversations about um when when, when it festers and continues and now you have people that may not have the best interest for black people that want to call everything racist right they say Home ownership or the lack thereof is racist. And then we go, what the? What are you talking about? Just because I'm white doesn't mean at 19, they were like, here's your 750 credit score, go buy a house. You're looking at it from that perspective. When you're talking about hundreds of years of equity, land ownership, home ownership, you're talking about an economic debilitating thing. Even if we fast forward, let's not even go as far back as, uh, you know, Andrew Johnson, because I did say Jackson, um, switching that up, right? Let's fast forward. Did you guys ever read this book called The Color of Law? I think I've heard people talk about it, but yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. In like the 30s, 40s, and 50s, the, the concept of redlining, if we give you money from this bank to build this development, you cannot have, like contractually, you cannot have black people live in, rent, or buy the, any homes in this development. This is not me saying it. It was literally race based. So then when you're talking about the 30s, 40s and 50s, which isn't a thousand, 250, you know, whatever years ago, when you're talking about that, 
And those families were able to refinance, pull some of that money out, pay for education, pay for a second home, so forth and so on. You're talking about something that impacted the people that were deliberately by the state lawfully in conjunction with private banks lawfully made to where you cannot participate in this situation and there becomes an economic debilitating thing. The problem is if we don't take that argument and blame it on where it needs to go, the private and corporate charters, right? Or the private, excuse me, the private owners, corporate charters and the state, we leave that conversation and it's left out to an extreme leftist that does not have all of that information, is not going to tie it back into the state being because the state had to sanction it in order for it to happen. We leave ourselves open. Then we just look like we're arguing against all of this historical data. Sidebar, that book, The Color of Law, was written by a white Jewish dude. And it's all about how redlining, school choice, all of these things came out of that those racist, um, that racist legislation. And the crazy thing is... I, I feel like Thomas Sowell... Well, I'm a huge fan of Thomas Sowell, and he has a lot of, obviously critiques of the concept of reparations and he even said like the other thing that comes to my mind is that i just don't even know so say they people did get reparations and i don't even know if that it would be even helpful because it's not a, look that, at the that, welfare that, state that, and everything that's, that's, like that's not the framework we're working with i know with. Yeah. i know but it's like I, but i mean but, I but know reparations it's not the framework, but. reparations for stolen labor broken contracts and stolen property is not a welfare state a welfare yeah. state is something where, hey, we just printing it up and giving it out to that's whoever. the white tax. Yeah, that's that's, that's yeah. the actual white tax. Like after the, the 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 world war, where it's like, all right, we're gonna start welfare, and by and large, it's mostly white people on welfare now. So, and I get it. I know people are gonna say, well, there's more white people in America. I get all of that, but my point in saying it is, we can't call. And I hate using leftist terms so much, but they they are really good at stealing terms. They're really good at using terms. They stole uh, our term. Oh, my God. They're really good at it. When you call it like they have a phrase called like and I think they use it wrong, but I think the phrase is amazing. Right. It's called restorative justice. Right. I think that I think that phrasing is a I Rest, think restitution. Word, that's, what restitution. Said, that's what they said in the chat. Yeah. Right. All of these things are amazing terms. But when you look at it from that perspective, it's like that's not a welfare state. And who are we to say, oh, I don't know if that would help you. That has nothing to do with you. If you're the person that's willing to say, hey, I'm going to prove, for example, restorative justice. If we're going to use that term as a placeholder right now, the family in Los Angeles, because I want to use a very uh, recent situation. They had to do a lot of paperwork and search and digging and research. And then it was proven this land, this like. And they did a goofy thing because they wound up selling it back to the state of California, which I think was so dumb, so dumb. But nonetheless, um, if they did the due diligence to say, I can prove that I'm the lineage of this group of people or this person, this property was stolen and I can prove that. Who am I? Who is anybody else to say, well, I don't know if them giving you that home back. Would I wasn't actually saying, help. I, that not, wasn't not like, you personally. Um, <laughs> I wasn't saying that, and like I was just more correlating it because it's like, in the end, is it even going to? Doesn't matter. Make, if, make a if, difference. If, but if, if, that's if unrelated can, to the discussion. Right. Just if, a if I can prove that I've been my family or my lineage, I'm the rightful heir. If I can prove that, and I do the due diligence to do that, if I fuck it up later, that's on me. Let's use this as an example. Let's say if 
every black person, somehow we get it all the way right, right? And corporate charters are taxed. It helps race relations. Um, black Americans feel like a hole has been, you know, um, a wrong so has been be a tax on corporate charters. But wait, hold on, let me let me say yeah. this. If let's say we got it all right, and all of the people that got whatever the number and land or whatever, they fucked it all up. The conversation ends. Yeah. We did what we, you guys did your due diligence. We as the state, corporate charters, whoever, if white people that, white leftists that felt inclined to do so, put $8 a week from their check, which I think is retarded. But if they did that too, and they got it all the way right, and Shangri-La happened, you, Pete, this conversation ends. Then you could buy a baby well, straight cash. Well, I, wasn't there a Chappelle <laughs> show sketch about this? That's what I was, that's what yeah. I was just referencing. <laughs> the, 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 Dave, uh, the Dave Chappelle Tron. show, as well as the um, ATL, a more recent show, ATL with uh, Donald Atlanta. Trump. That's yeah, a great, like, I've only seen the two first two seasons, but the first two seasons were great. I like there's an episode where all America gets gives black people reparations. And the way that they package it, which is, I think, is very dangerous. They package it on these mainstream media shows where it looks like a white tax. And in the actual episode, all of the white people, when they paychecks came, they had to get in a separate line and like their extra money had to come out of their check. So if if I happen to be a white person, which I'm not, but if I was, I would go like, yo, that's kind of fucked up. But then you'd have to think as white people, you got to go, maybe the same mainstream media narrative that's painting me as the racist and the bigot, maybe they're telling me something about reparations that may not be true too. Like mm -hmm. propaganda doesn't only work one way. It goes, it, propaganda will be used for whatever we need to be used for. And so-, so let me let me make a couple couple points and let, let me give like a quick review because we've been yeah. talking for like like an hour and a half now. Yeah. Um, so quick no, bullet just points. An just an hour. Uh, just an hour, my bad. Um, so quick bullet points. Um, we're talking about a new way, a different way of looking at uh, quote unquote reparations uh, and uh, through a libertarian lens. This was put forward by Walter Block and and R Murray Rothbard uh, about fifty years ago. Uh, and this has nothing to do with taxes, it has nothing to do with a white tax, it has nothing to do with government redistribution of wealth from white people to black people, all of that. It's a way of looking at quote unquote reparations uh, as <clears throat> basically a civil suit if somebody can can prove that uh, that somebody else was the recipient of stolen goods that ought to have gone to their lineage, um, like directly, and they would have to prove that in a court. Now right. going... So like that's where we're at here. And I think even within that libertarian framework, and I want to get to this in a minute, the question from from a libertarian mindset is, can you make a claim on something that far on the past? I think that's I, I think that's where it, it kind of comes down, even within libertarians. Um, now, I wanted to go back to what Brandy was saying and just address one thing of like, like when people say, oh, well, who will build the roads? The The, the answer is like broadly speaking, general contractors. That right. doesn't mean that I know the details of what the market rate of road laying will be or what what uh, company's gonna pop up and who's gonna take the contract and what the terms of that contract are gonna look like. I just know that there's a market demand for roads that will most likely be filled because we're sophisticated enough to do like privatized space exploration and stuff like that. Um, and court cases can get pretty complex. I mean, when you look at, when you look at like, uh, 
like the lawsuits that brought down the mafia. Like prior to, to, to Rico uh, rules, they couldn't take down the mafia because every single individual, uh, like you had to have crimes against each individual. So then Rico came in and basically they said, we have to prove that every single one of these individuals is part of a broader criminal enterprise. Now you're talking about a very complex web of crime and relationships and all this stuff that's difficult to prove, but it could be done in theory. Right. So bringing it all back to say, again, we're talking about something that's very narrow. Um, you know, I, I would agree that probably reparations, if we could, if we can make our own term and push that into the culture, that would probably be my way to go about it. Um, but one thing I've always liked about you, Maj, and this is my last point. Um, one thing I've always liked is that you have been very open that you are trying to play a particular role, yeah. like, and, and that your role as you see it is to try to, I remember you said this when I first met you, uh, that is to try to translate libertarianism, uh, back to people in the hood, because if it were me walking around saying that they might just hear Ronald Reagan, where you look like them, sound like them, come from their neighborhoods, they might actually listen to you in a way that they might not listen to me. Um, and I'm of the opinion that, so like for me, when I got into libertarianism, it was Ron Paul and the Fed and the wars, right? And, and the Federal Reserve and all that stuff is the thing that like captured me and, and, and uh, you know, got me into it. But if we want the ideas to spread, different people from different backgrounds are going to be asking different questions and looking right. for different answers out of our ideas. Right. Um, and, and if there is an answer that we can give them, we should try to give it. And I think that's what this conversation and what Walter Block and Murray Rothbard were attempting to do by looking at uh, reparations through like a more delineation of property rights rights lend in in the context of like civil suits or or tort law essentially right i think that i think that the biggest impediment to this conversation is people will have to um accept their conditioning as it relates to they have not look at, looked at it through that lens that you just mentioned or those lenses They've looked at it through, this is something that extreme lefties want because they just like free stuff. And their approach to it is damn near defensive. And I get it. I get it. I don't, I don't rock with socialism. I don't rock with communism. I, simple. I can say, I think there's flaws in how people are approaching this conversation. If I was inclined to actually fight it, I would not fight it that way. Right. I just wouldn't. I don't I don't I think it's too complex. I think each individual will have to do it. Maybe it's a class action suit. Again, that's what Johnny Cochran was researching and fleshing out with the reparations assessment group. All right. Yeah. That that's that. But I'm to your point, Mike. I am a fan of what tactics are going to spread liberty, to be quite honest, in a demographic that the libertarian movement needs and currently does not have many people that are um, can speak the language there, right? So because of that, when I see the responses, when I see, oh, these crazy libtards, it's, you're doing the same thing that the MAGA cult does. Yeah. And it makes you look bad. It is not a robust, well-thought-out tactic. Tactics are short-term. Strategies are long-term. My job is to spread libertarian values and get people to join a party from a demographic that has a ton in alignment with our values. But if yeah, we if I, these if things I could if I could get somebody who 
if I could get somebody who is concerned about reparations and looks at it through the traditional lens of a white tax or government redistribution of wealth, if I could have a conversation with them and address that and get them to come closer to this, I mean, that's a pretty radical change. You know what I mean? Like that's a pretty, so I would prefer that they would be open to something like this. But what we, what we haven't gotten to is like, we're all libertarians here. Um, so which I think the question, even within this framework that this kind of turns on is, can you make that claim? Does the claim, does, is there still a rightful claim after 150 years? I think like Brandy, I think this, what I'm trying to get at addresses your question of like the sins of, of the, the ancestors and that kind of thing. Like does, if, if, even if there is a provable tort a hundred years or 150 years later. So, yes. well, I, I want to jump in on that. Cause like, I think that what, from a practical standpoint, if I were in a conversation with someone, uh, uh, a black person who was like, Hey, what do the libertarians think about reparations? I would say, okay, I would give them basically the Rothbard block argument and say, to be quite honest, I think that you're going to like what Maj just said, to actually prove it and to, you know, to do the actual legal work of all that is pretty difficult. I don't know if we're ever going to get to that point where we could actually do that. Is it practical and is it possible? Would there be the political will, the political ability for it us wouldn't to get take that done? Political will. I, well, but my my point is is that I would say yes, I agree with it in principle from individuals to individuals. I don't think practically that's ever really going to happen. But what can we do now? We can stop the drug war. We can stop all the all the crazy criminal justice stuff. We could somehow fix the schools. We should, you know, that's what I would say. And that, but what I think what Maj is saying is, is by being willing to listen to someone else's perspective on reparations, and give my libertarian uh, uh, view on it, and then say, yeah, I don't think we can actually get that done. Why don't you join us on the things that we can get done? I think I, that I think, by, by listening to and, them, we and, win that credibility. And let's and let's get real. There's a lot of things that we as libertarians believe that, that is not feasible. Like, are we really going to privatize the whole country? Probably not. But that is libertarianism. <laughs> like, right. like, like making private property of the entire country is the libertarian position. Is here's that feasible? Like, and it's end not. End. But it's still it's still looking at it from from the principle and seeing what do we have to offer to answer this question i think i think that to say if you want to in journey upon this endeavor you are welcome to um i think that you have value and here's how it aligns with libertarian values as it relates to tort as it relates to uh, contracts as it relates to property as it relates to labor do i do i think that um the the that's it you, you're welcome to it. Um, that and even listening to where somebody's coming from and presenting it that way is the olive branch. I'm also saying that I wouldn't say, I don't think we can get it done. I'd say that's a hell of endeavor of an endeavor. Good luck. And I'm, I'm, I'm more so talking to libertarians. I'm saying the libertarian position is not in direct opposition to this. It is if your understanding of reparations is from a skewed perspective. And again, reverse it, because I don't want to keep repeating the same thing, but I feel like I have to. 
Well, it's if not some of you, that's the mainline position. We're the ones yeah. kind of bringing this new way of looking at like, it. Well, that's right. why I almost agree with right. people saying that we should change the word because I think that like like arbitration or something because I, I we have a reparations task force in Boston and it is definitely not what the, anything <laughs> like this. So <laughs> I'm like, yeah, like, I, I mean, it is doesn't mean this. It is a totally different framework. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, that's and, true. So, and, so, yeah. so, I, so I, what I would do is I would say because. Those people are not advocating for most of the people that are talking about reparations that we come across on television haven't even read from here to equality. There is a couple that has done conversations and the research and broken this down thoroughly for 30 years. Most of the people that are having a conversation about reparations have not even read that their work. So that's the people that are talking about reparations that yet again, leftist media highlighted them and said, this is what reparations means. Again, if we can wrap our, our brains around, the reason why I'm uniquely positioned to say this this way is because I can see all of the time where people on the libertarian side, on the conservative side, on the leftist side, keep getting tricked by the merging of mainstream media and government propaganda. So, so we're, ch we're chasing this thing that's not even the thing reverse somebody's like oh you libertarians are just republicans that's not what we are we're a completely separate thing than what you've actually been told what this is the educational component this is why the outreach is so key i just keep seeing guys do small guys very limited guys that have a, a platform that or on twitter getting it wrong because they're chasing the wrong thing it's like when people say oh Go, go woke, go broke. They don't even know the origin of the phrase woke. They're using it wrong from the gate. So, well, there's, I would say there's both examples for what you're saying and against what you're saying. Like for me, I will not use woke. I, I, I use awake. Like I yeah. would use awake. Woke is gone. However, uh, uh, one that's in favor, like that we as libertarians do all the, all the time, the mainstream definition of inflation is not what we as libertarians mean when we say inflation inflation in terms of the average person who even knows about inflation is increase uh, in prices mm -hmm. but it's an increase in the money supply Correct. but we don't we don't say oh well you know that's going blah 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 no like we have the original like that was the original definition and we i mean we really go hard on economics as libertarians and the fed and all that so we use it our way so i don't know it's like i, I don't know what the balance would be for like when it's worthwhile to stick with a word or worthwhile to give up a word. I'm well, telling you, liberals gone. I'm going every, every time, every time, about. every, you are charged with the responsibility of being educators. Every time you open your mouth as a libertarian, not only because we know that the general public and the department of education is not explaining this to our people, to Americans. They're not oh, on top see, of that's that. That's so much work. That is so much work. Like liberal well, is gone. Well, well hold on, cause liberal is gone. They, they, and, and then we stole well, Rothbard's, stole libertarian from the left in return you know what i mean so like and i would just say work. let them have liberal let's not mix it up take everything from them and give them nothing i i still keep the word liberal i don't let people I, have that but, word. No. So, so for example for example when i say i'll give i'll give a best example and, and if y'all guys want to move on we can i'll give a perfect well we got, we got 15 minutes and there's two things i want to tackle but go ahead oh. We don't have a hard end at nine. I can, I, okay. I mean, it's up to our guests how long we go. I mean, I, I'm down. But, yeah. So when you guys remember the first time that, um, what's his name? Uh, Colin Kaepernick explained why he was taking the knee. That, that interview, it was a maybe two or three minute interview was in the locker room. 
he explained very well. He said, this is not to be disrespectful to America. This is not to be disrespectful to veterans. A combat veteran actually told me I should take the knee as opposed to just sitting down. He explained why. He explained, boom, 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 boom. It was perfect. Then he got quiet. Then mainstream media made it about the exact opposite things of what he said. He just said, uh, oh, he hates America. He Then he wore the socks with the pigs on him. It did not help his messaging. It did not help where he was trying I to go. I laughed at that. It was just, it was just like, <laughs> bro, you gave them the thing. We have to be consistent in every single time that we speak. I, the last time that I spoke aggressively on Twitter, I could have worded it better. And I got all it served to do was get me kicked off of Twitter and further paint me as a homophobe and a transphobe or whatever people want to call me that particular week, right? If I would have reparationist, yes, yeah, separationist, all of that. If I, no, I said rep, I said reparation. reparation. My baby, keep going. You're in a flow. If I would have messaged and worded that better, I'd still have the energy from the tweet, and I would not have get, been kicked off of Twitter at 150, 54, whatever thousand Twitter followers. That is a that is a failure of mine to put the work in to articulate that in a way that you got to go extremely out of your way to paint me as whatever. And that was failure. That's the reality. So as libertarians, yes, if I say, if someone says liberal and I say, well, you mean liberal in the current sense or the classic sense? And they go, well, what's the difference? Teachable moment. We are educators. We are educators. And every time we have those opportunities, Mike, when you out and you see an opportunity to have a conversation about libertarianism, you take the moment, you take the opportunity. This is what we have to do. We are up against a Goliath. That's so, just so let me let me clarify. Yeah, take the take the opportunity to have the conversation. But am I going to go on a crusade to reclaim liberal? Nah, fuck that. Like in, in, a, in a in a conversation, I'll, yeah, I'll make the distinction, but I'm not going to go on a crusade because here's here's where that that logic goes. Um, one, we can't even use libertarian anymore because that was that was, in fact, like a left anarchist word uh, <laughs> that, that we homesteaded. And uh, so like and it also means that we would have to fight for the swastika because the swastika was an Indian symbol of peace way before it was for the German Nationalist Party. I'm that's I'm not. Uh, it's just not a fight I'm interested no, in. I, I'm, I'll, I'm, I'll, I'll give you and, even further. I'll give you even further. Before it was an Indian symbol on Buddha's forehead, it was an African Adinkra symbol. So am I Am I going to go get a swastika tattooed on me? No, to your point, I'm not going to do that. But at the same time, if the swastika comes up and I'm going, well, if you're supposed to be Aryan is Indian, they melanated as hell over there in India. So if I can push back against some of the messaging and drop them jewels every opportunity that I get, I'm not I'm not sending my bandwidth everywhere. So I, I get your right. point. And I agree. Well, that right. And that's the point. And I think in, in our messaging is that I think sometimes libertarians get backed into the box of like the classic is, of course, oh, well, who will build the roads? And then we go off into a 30 minute um, lecture <laughs> on how the roads would get built. But the point is, is we should always take these moments to acknowledge what they're saying, connect yeah. with them on some level and then turn it over. To, to get back on topic of what we want to talk about, which is how the state is screwing up in that particular way or whatever. So I think that we, I think we owe people the dignity of like listening to their arguments and acknowledging what they're saying, but we also have the right to turn the conversation into what we think is a more profitable way. And I think we should always take that. And what I think Maj has said this whole time is, is if the first thing you say when somebody brings up reparations is, 
oh screw that you you're you're uh you're uh just a commie or black lives matter marxist like right away you've they're not going to listen they might they still might not listen if you you know acknowledge what they say and then talk libertarianism to them but they might you know and, and so i think that that's the thing is we should not get trapped into debating things on someone else's terms we should always look for the opportunity to turn things around to what we think as libertarians is the most sort of important thing going on in a particular issue so two two quick things the the because i i still don't think we've had the conversation i would like to hear your input on this aaron is again in in the chat from a libertarian and and from a libertarian perspective i think we should try to answer the question of does the claim exist 150 years forget forget the logistics of can you prove it just in theory as a principle does the like can the claim exist after 150 years that's one and two the fun one is what about um again in theory like a like a black tax moratorium or you know we could we could you know well, drill down and be like well or a, a descendant moratorium or whatever but let me use some free hand here god damn it um so, you know a, a tax moratorium I would say the principle is there and that arguing the details is something that should be done in a, in any sort of like, if, if somebody uh, damages my property, then he has to prove his case. And so the principle is whether he damaged it yesterday or, you know, however long ago, I don't think there for a, a true moral actual claim, there's no, there is no um, uh, expiration date on that. There is a question of like, you know, what is a descendant and inheritance and stuff like that? That's a, that's another thing. So like, strictly speaking, I've seen some comments in the chat of like, well, I didn't do anything wrong and no slaves are still alive today. So end of story, that's not quite the point. I mean, so I think that there is, there is a place for some of these things. And the example he gave, uh, Maj gave about the thing with the beach is, you know, pretty, uh, that didn't happen. I don't, I don't think in the 1800s, but like it happened at some point, they worked it out. They actually went through the trial or the arbitration or whatever. And so, yeah, I think that, uh, there's no expiration. So, date on it. Hang on. I want to address this comment. Uh, somebody said there is an expiration date, uh, when everyone involved is dead. So hypothetically, now this is obviously a super direct, super simple one, a lot more simple than the rep, like the quote unquote reparations one. But let's say your grandfather is dying and, and, uh, you and, and and I'm his power of attorney as a lawyer uh, for his estate. You're in the will to get the estate, and then I embezzle it. Well, the person who built that wealth is dead. What's right. your claim? And, and, to and, use the and example, yeah, like <laughs> well, the pa so, the Palestine example. Most of the uh, Israelis who pushed, who did the ethnic cleansing in Palestine, most of those guys are dead, and most of the people who were actually moved off the land now are dead. Although there's some people who, as children, were in 1948 or whatever. But so, like, it, let's say it's 10 years from now and everybody's dead. But you know, this is I can see my grandfather's house, and you know, th to me, that's not uh, um, that 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 is not uh, a dead claim because everybody involved in the original crime was dead. So, so let me just ask you directly, because again, I think even within this framework, this is what the, the concept turns on from a libertarian perspective. Why, why do you, why would you say there's no expiration date? Well, if, if something is right or wrong, it's right or wrong for eternity, right? Like, and it's, again, it's then 
if you can sort it out and like to, to go back to the example of the Palestinian thing, to say everybody involved is dead, but you know, it's clear that if that person, you know, would have had their will and stuff, uh, properly, um, uh, probated and all that stuff that, uh, they can, you can give money to your heirs and give property to your heirs. And so if it is traceable, then I think it, you know, from listening to Walter Block and just using common sense that just because everybody involved in the original incident is dead does not mean, yeah, uh, you know, that, that it's game over. It's, it, it then gets very complicated, but in some cases it, it is worth, if someone wants to press the claim, then in a purely libertarian society, then the, the conflict resolution mechanisms would hear that claim. And if it were, if there was evidence and it could all be worked out within the custom and the laws that are all agreed upon, then I think that that should go forward. Brady, what do you think? Well, I, so I did see someone in chat mention something about how, what if they just got tax exemption status instead? Like, yeah, that's that the, be- that's a funner one. That's the funner one. I'll yeah, say one like sentence on that and then I'll shut up is uh, what the great Walter Williams said. I am for a tax cut for any person of any amount for any reason. So I'll yeah. go with Walter Williams. on that. Well, obviously yeah, yeah. like clearly I would prefer just no taxes at all, but like that also is an option though. For it, I want to go back to the person that says, if everybody's dead, then such and such and such, that's more of that dismissive non that's that's so basic bitch 101. It's like I just yo, gotta kill your whole family to get your house. Right. It's like that's it. If it crash. Oh, where'd he go? <laughs> that crash. <laughs> if your we internet crashes. Did <laughs> 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 the uh the opponents of uh Maj's point <laughs> hacked our system? Separation. Oh my goodness. But I, Yeah, I mean, I mean I don't know how I feel about this whole concept of like uh justice via descendants of descendants like you being liable for yeah like what i said well, earlier you being liable for the sins of your great 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 let me let me use what a a, a, a distinctly let me use a distinctly Misesian concept aaron if you can remind me of the term for it i i don't i feel like a dummy that i can't remember what the term is but the idea that if you were to trace money back like backwards and be like okay so it had value it has value today because it had value yesterday and then it had value the day before and like this is how gold became money. Do you do you remember the uh, the? Is it is it the recursive? Um, no, no, it's not that. Um, oh God! Somebody please Google it for me because I'm a dummy yeah. and I forget. Um, but um, regression, regression. The, yes, theory. thank you. The regression theorem yeah. is that is that basically you can trace money back to say okay, well, money has value today because it has value yesterday, and then it had value the day before, and you could go all the way back to when gold became money to kind of make this distinction. It has this temporal element. I would apply that same kind of test to say, okay, well, if it was a crime, then when did it see like at, at what day and for what reason did it cease being a crime? You know what I mean? Right. Now right. it's totally, it's totally like a thing where it's like at some point, you know, like there's probably caveman crimes where technically speaking in theory, there is a an open claim. Is there any logistical possibility of doing that? No. You know what I mean? Like, no, of course not. So there is like a, an expiration date in terms of like the logistics of it dies, but well, not the, wanna, not the principle. I might. Brandy can talk if you want to see if my, what's up with Maj. If you want, 
Brady, what well, do you think? I probably got a hungry baby, which is why oh, my, yeah. my heart out was nine. But... <laughs> well, if we if we need to go, just uh, you want to touch base with Maj to make sure he didn't have any well, super important thing he wanted to say. One final thing we were going to talk about, but well, I guess it's not. Well, I go think for we're going to do that well, another. No, well, with Maj. Well, I think we might hold that for another day. Okay. Um. I think look in the look in the chat there, um, Brandy, in the private chat, and I think me and Mike talked about it. <laughs> I hate to be <laughs> cryptic, but um, oh, okay. So, but, it, yeah. Know, anyway, to answer, to answer that question, f- my answer, and I, I'll, I think you already answered it. My answer to the black tax moratorium is, in in principle, yeah, but there's going to be a lot of social strife. Uh, and, oh yeah, I I, but, I mean I I say that. Because it's, but yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah. But it's a good, in my opinion, it's a good litmus test. It's a good theoretical litmus test question of is the principle more important than the culture war kind of thing? Cause it right. would flare up the culture war in, 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 in along racial lines for sure. But it would also keep a lot more money out of the hands of the state. And right. that's what I'm for. And I, I'm for, you know, uh, finding all kinds of other things too. I mean, you know, somebody earlier on talked about the, you know, uh, different people who came here as indentured servants or, you know, the Irish and Italians who were treated bad um, when they came over. I feel bad because my people, the Harris people came over at Jamestown. So <laughs> we, we were early on. Um, uh, but so I, I wouldn't get any of that. But uh, but the point is, is that the I, I think the major point that I got from Maj and I suspected that this, you know, just from reading in between the lines on all his tweets and hearing him talk about it is if it's something that, you know, I know a lot of black people and like a lot of, obviously they're going to have a different, um, the average black person is going to have a different take on this than the average white person. And to just immediately when a certain term comes up, just shut off all discussion and say, that's Marxist, that's racist, whatever. That oh, yeah. you don't, you, you're not going to build any, you're not going to build any credibility with people doing that. And so that's why you have the conversation. And if yeah. their, and if their view of reparations is yes, tax all white people to give all black people X, Y, and Z, even black people like Barack Obama and Kamala Harris, who, you know, they're not descendants of American slaves and they're super Even the civil rights leaders Wait. rejected that. <laughs> right. Like there's no, yeah. But I mean, okay. I, go for it the, theoretically though like what if it was like this super like billionaire black person and they were they had the resources to sue and, and to get those reparations technically they could i mean if well, if, if but but the, but again the where the logistical rubber meets the road there is yeah. if they could prove it which yeah. is very very difficult you know what i mean like what well, like because it can't be like a lawsuits are between individuals i'm making a claim about you i'm claiming that you caused this damage here is all the proof i'm setting this to an adjudicator to to you know uh weigh that against case law or whatnot to 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 make a to render a judgment it's 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 but it, it can't so be this nebulous money, like it would cost so much money and resources privately to prove it yeah privately like, so but, it'd well, be like for- the only people that'd be able to prove it would be the people that already have the money you know, or I don't know. <laughs> or or maybe there's some cool black lawyers that would take it on a on a, a pro bono, well, like not, a big uh, class action or whatever. Yeah, or it could be a class action, or they could yeah. they could you know they could uh, they could take it out when they win. I, oh, I've yeah. been meaning to bring this up the whole show, but I want to go back to a tweet from 
uh, July 16th, 2019 by the all-time greatest Twitter user ever. And of course, you know, I'm talking about Michael Malice. Some, I think this Republican senator was talking about a bill of like putting universities on the hook for student loan debt. So like making universities pay for, you know, it, it, to instead of the taxpayer bailing them out to make the universities pale, you know, bail them out. And Mike, uh, uh, he uh, uh, interjected himself to say, which I think this is one of my top 10 favorite tweets of all time, seize all university endowments, the crystallization of privilege and distribute the money as reparations. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like take the money from like the Harvard and Northwestern and all them people that I think that would be, <laughs> that would be hilarious. It's probably my, an acceptable middle ground. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the, the final thing I just wanted to say is that I do think people need to be more open-minded about having these conversations, which is what I think Maj's point was, yeah. is like, instead of getting so butthurt and immediately defensive, when the concept of reparations comes up, we should be having these discussions and there shouldn't be anything off the table in regards to like what we can discuss or what is, what is okay to talk about or of being possible, even if you might not agree with it, you know, yeah. I think there's a lot. We all got to grow up. Yeah. A lot of people instantly <laughs> shut down when it comes to this stuff and you shouldn't. Open-minded. I think, I think it would be, supposed to be high in openness. <laughs> we should think about maybe trying to, I think it would be neat to get a debate, whether it's Maj on the one side, or I would even be willing to take the Maj side on this against some of these people who are, who are libertarians and who are very anti. Um, uh, it would be interesting if we could get two people who were actually uh, in good faith would argue this, because I think a lot of the people Again, there's a certain corner of libertarian Twitter who are they do they are disingenuous. We, I think we do need it in the po the current podcast sphere because yeah. these debates have happened already. That's the thing. Like Walter, like Walter Block has had debates on this. It's it's yeah. why I'm a little like taken aback of like the the knee jerk that this hasn't been around for 50 years when and the people who were like we shouldn't be discussing reparations no matter what. It's like you're not cooler than Rothbard, dude. Sorry. Like right. yeah. yeah, like. And, no, and it, I think the, the rebrand is a, is a possibility too, because if, and you know, the whole question of like taking back terms, I think that's pretty difficult, but I said it a couple of times already, you, when that term comes up, Oh, well, what do you mean by that? Well, as a libertarian, I would support it if you meant this X, Y, and Z and to get the debate over onto our terms and not make it to be what, um, you know, to not make it be the white people tax, which is what a lot of people and on the might, left want it to be. It might sound ridiculous, but I used to do like man on the street interviews and, and stuff like that. And you'd be surprised what people are what will talk to you about mm -hmm. if you have real world conversations and actual honest conversations and not like this Twitter. I'm going to be the biggest cocksucker I could imagine thing. You know what I mean? Like and, and actually like engage with people. Um, so let's, let's close on that. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll talk to Maj. I would, I, I agree with you. I would, I would, uh, you know, try to strike that. I would take that side of his on the debate and I think it's needed and yeah. let's see if we can make it happen. So do we have an announcement for next week's guest or, that we're oh. able to make? Yeah. Brandy, you got to make that. You did the good work <laughs> on that one. <laughs> so Jake, the QAnon January 6th shaman. We'll be here next Monday, seven thirty. That's whoop, whoop. that's pretty great. How did? Oh yeah, uh, that see that's why we brought Brandy in because she can she can pull some of the stuff that 
I, I wouldn't have even thought about trying to get that guy, but I cannot wait to find out how he convinced the cops to let him in. <laughs> I know, yeah. that's my question too. I think that's my that's my number one question. My, my other one of my other favorite top ten tweets of all time was the late great Norm Macdonald. He tweeted a a picture of of the January sixth rioters like walking you know, through the Capitol Rotunda or whatever between like the velvet ropes and the tweet was something like, you know, shout out to remembering oh, when. Back. Yeah, Maj is back. Uh, <laughs> hey, Maj. Yo. <laughs> we, we didn't boot you. We're, we're, we're. No, we're, that was my, my MacBook died. My bad, y'all. That's all I right. I redlined you out of this, out of this. <laughs> uh... I asked is Brandy high. No, I'm not high. Do I well, seem high? We, we know that uh, uh, Maj, we uh, the fact that you're a Mac guy, that's good because I, I take heat from a lot of libertarians because I'm a Mac guy and because I don't like metal, and they think I'm some kind of square, and maybe I am, but I'm glad well, that the cool the coolest guy I know is also a Mac guy. Yeah. Well, Maj, we were actually wrap like wrapping up. Um, so where where can people find your work and uh, oh, and, and support you? Follow on the new Twitter page that got kicked off. Uh, a couple of months back, Maj Toure 999, that at right there. Um, we just broke $200,000 raised today and given away. We haven't given away that $2,500 yet, um, but we will be going. I spoke to some prominent libertarians around the country. Um, we will be going to do libertarian outreach in all of these same cities, just like we did with Black Guns Matter. Um, one of the first ones will be Manchester, New Hampshire. So we'll be in New Hampshire doing some actual liberty work in New Hampshire, um, in the areas where, I, I don't know, some people just feel like, you know, uh, <laughs> they shouldn't they shouldn't do that outreach. So we'll be in Manchester doing a lot of that work. Um, we don't we don't want to argue, you know, you entertain the clown, you'll be a part of the circus. So we would rather build, you know, towers to liberty. So we're going to start that in, in Manchester. Um, and then after that, we're going to go to uh, all of the Boston. areas. We, Boston is one of them. Um, Let me know if you come to Boston. I think there's a lot of good places around here that. A hundred percent. We're going to go to also to all of the places that have the most homicides. Um, we the, the areas that have the most homicides usually have the most restrictive and oppressive legislation, um, that especially that doesn't allow people to defend themselves. So we want to merge this liberty community um, with the Second Amendment community, and I say merge in the sense of expand and and, and make people, you know, into those urban demographics. So um, we're just going to do the work. So follow me on Twitter, everybody, maj 2 ray 999 Same thing on Instagram. That's one of the pages. The other one is Big Daddy 2 ray um, And lastly, um, I wanted to tap back in. Obviously, Gibson Go, all of that stuff's in the, you know, in the headline. But just reminder, and I say this on a lot of the podcasts that we do, Everybody, please, please, please be kind to yourself and be kind to others. Um, you guys that are listening to this have been through one of the biggest psychological operations in human history over the last two or three years. Um, if you're feeling a little bit depressed, uh, if you're feeling a little bit not yourself, that's fine. Go easy on yourself, man. You survived it. A lot of people killed themselves. Yep. A lot of people got coerced into medical procedures that they did not want to. A lot of people gave up their bodily autonomy. If you did not and you feeling a little drained, be kind to yourself. Give others grace because they they going through, you know, some of that same psychological operation, too. So let's just be kind to each other. I apologize to everyone uh, for my, my, my laptop kind of dying on me. But uh, I just wanted to say thank you all for having me today. Um, allowing me to share from a perspective that 
It's not me. It's just me challenging folks to just think of things a little bit differently. So we have a better tactic or better tactics as we approach this um, endeavor, endeavor of getting the liberty movement um, where we, where it needs to be in, in the urban demographic. The Democratic Party is not going to let uh, the mental stranglehold that they have over that demographic go very easily. So we have a lot of work to do. So thank you all for just allowing me to share and, and, and critique a little bit and challenge folks to um, just our approach, just our approach and how we you know, get into different demographics. So thank you all a whole lot. Yeah. Thanks, Maj. I, I appreciate it. It's been too long uh, since we had you on and uh, uh, you coming anywhere uh, close to Knoxville. I was, I yes, I was just in um, Memphis last week. That's six hours away, man. Knoxville. Yeah. Oh yeah. Shit. Right. Well, I'm <laughs> in, in the same state, right? Yeah. But it's the same state. I had drove like 16 hours. So I was like tapped out, but yeah, I'm coming back down there. And, uh, one of my good buddies is um uh uh John Hickok Hickok forty five son. Okay. Well, he's in Chicago right now, but because he's a comedian. But um, but yeah, I, I the next time I go down there to uh, I, I'll make sure I, I try to stop at Hickok's uh his uh compound down there and do some shooting and stuff. But yeah, I'm okay. wherever wherever the libertarians want me to come, we showing up, we doing the work, we we going to the hood, like all of this, like being in the suburban spots. Fuck that, bro. Yep. We gotta, we gotta bring that movement to the people, and so right. I just want to be. We're service. hitting the cookouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. <laughs> All right, 100%. we'll leave it at that. Come see us uh, next Monday at uh, seven thirty Eastern. Thanks, guys. And then, oh, see uh, next Monday at seven thirty Eastern. TakeHumanAction.com. Uh, Become a recurring donor. Where help us support Project Decentralized Revolution. Help us to. Uh, uh, how how would you verb this? Uh, Reparate, yeah, help, help us to reparate <laughs> these city council candidates, these mayor candidates, these school board candidates. They need it. Right. They need it. They're All entitled. Right, well, see you guys. Peace, y'all.